0: You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. Good morning, guys. How are y'all? It's like turkey week. you got to be more excited about Thanksgiving. I know you're, thinking, you're dreaming about the pies already, right? I know I am. It's going to be good. I just want to open up in prayer before I get into the message this morning, if that's okay. Because um, I need it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Father God, I thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for meeting us in our worship. God, you are so good. Just to remember all the things you've done in our lives, God that you took time to create us. You took time to see us. And Lord, we take time right now as your church to glorify you. We take time right now, Lord, to see you and to worship you and to give you all the honor that's due to your name, God. You are our God. You are our Lord. You are our Savior. And we give honor to you, Jesus. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time. Lord, I pray that as I deliver this message, Lord, that your word spoken out of my mouth God, that you would open the ears to hear and the hearts to receive. And Lord, I thank you for what you've already done and what you're going to continue to do. And Father, I just take time right now to pray for those that are sick today, those that are hurting. God, I pray that your hand would extend and raise them up. Lord, I pray for those that are just not well. God, that you would make them well. And that way they can enjoy their time with their family on this Thanksgiving and not laid up in bed. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, so we've been in a series entitled Thanks for Giving. and We've had lots of speakers, and I haven't spoken in four weeks. So, no, I'm just kidding. No, it's not going to be that long. Actually, I was done really quick the first service, so you might be out of here, you know, before everybody else. So um, it's going to be good today. At the end of service, we're going to give you an opportunity to give. We are talking about giving our finances, our time, our talent, our treasure. And uh, it was just a wonderful moment at the end of service uh, at the 9 o'clock but today we're going to talk about how we can leverage the thing that God gives us and how God has given us everything that we need to glorify him in all things. And you're maybe sitting here like, "Gret, I knew it was going to come on a giving day and here I am. But, you know, it's good because I'm going to hopefully teach you some things from the word of God today about generosity and giving some things that may even surprise you because um, we're going to talk about wisdom um, when it comes to giving as well. And so we're talking about really being a steward of God's things. Now, if you go anywhere outside of the church, you're not going to hear the word steward. You know, we just don't talk. We don't use that kind of language. But in the church, you're going to hear it a lot. What, what does it mean to be a steward? Well, a steward is a person who manages another person's property or financial affairs, one who administers anything as an agent of another or others. It's kind of like a manager, but more, it's more involved in that. You, you are in charge of the things, of somebody else's things, but you are guarding them until they get back. Uh, some friends of ours have, have moved into a smaller house and we have some of their furniture and they've allowed us to use their furniture until they want it back. And so as we take it in, we have this, I, we have this agreement. It's not signed, we didn't sign any paper, but there's an agreement that we're gonna take care of it until they want it back. They can have it back whenever they want it. But what I do with the, those, that furniture until they come back Is really up to me, but I want to take good care of it because I don't want to give this furniture back with scratches and beat up and all the things gone on it, but I want to take good care of it. So I'm not going to stick it in my garage and put tools in it and use it, you know, for other things. I'm going to take really good care of these things because they're not mine. They're somebody else's. They're just on loan to me. And you know, everything that we have in this world is really on loan to us. Jesus, you know, God created everything and everything is for him and by him. And because of that, we are simply stewards of God's things. You know, your family's not even yours. It's really God's. You know, your, your job is really not yours. It's really God's. Your house really isn't yours. It's really God's. We used to teach this class uh, called financial, uh, it wasn't financial Peace, but that's one of the Dave Ramsey. This one's called Crown Financial. And in that class, it would teach you about uh, learning to know that everything is God's. And there's a story in there about a man who he gets this brand new car. He's been wanting this car for a long time. He gets this brand new car. He drives it off a lot and then gets sideswiped. Like the, the, there's a big dent in the fender. He gets out. He jumps out and he says, God, I don't know why you want a dent in your fender, but I'm good with that. <laughs> so everything's God's. It's in, and when, it's, when you turn things over to God, it's a whole lot easier To give it away. It's a whole lot easier to take care of it. And stewardship is really realizing that everything we have is God's and it's for him and by him. And he wants us to, it's on loan to us to use for the kingdom of God. That's everything, our time, our talent, our treasure. And hopefully you've learned that through these series this series. And if you haven't had the opportunity, you can go back online and listen to this series as we go on. And I just want to take a moment and thank you guys watching online today. We just want to say thank you for joining us. God bless you. Hope you're doing well and and happy Thanksgiving. So we're going to talk today about how we give our treasures, how we give our things, how we give our resources. And the number one thing we need to know is how we give it is a whole lot more important than what we give. How we give things to God is more important than what we give to God. And so Paul is teaching the Corinthian church and his letter to the Corinthians on how to be good stewards and how to be generous with the things that God has given to them. Because in Jerusalem, there's a famine and they're taking this collection up to help feed these people in Jerusalem. And so he gives them some guidelines on how to be generous and how to give in 2 Corinthians. So if you ever bibles, you can turn to 2 Corinthians. We're gonna be in chapter nine and chapter eight today. And so in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15, it says this, he's reminding the, the church, remember this church, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. He gives this principle of giving. He's like, when you, when you give extravagantly, you will, you will, you will reap extravagantly. And then he goes, and then when you give out of a joyful heart, that's what God truly wants for you. And so don't give out of reluctancy. Don't give out of pressure. Like today, we're going to take a, the offering. If you don't have anything, don't give up, get up in pressure and give your, you know, we're talk about this. Don't give your car payment. Okay. We want you to be wise. And we're going to talk about wisdom as well. Don't give out of response to pressure. When you give to God, you should be joyful about it. When you get to serve on a Sunday morning, maybe you're serving in kids church or in the nursery or up on stage, or maybe you're just a greeter and usher, not maybe, that's an awesome job, greeter, you get to do that. And you give it with a heart of joy because you've already decided in your head that you're going to do that ahead of time. See, how we give is a whole lot more important than what we give. It's such a big deal to God. We see this in the very first offering that's given to God. We see this in Genesis chapter four. There's these two brothers, they're giving an offering to God, it's the first recorded offering to God. And in this, you see how God accepts one brother's and he does not accept the others. So we're gonna dive into this and see what is acceptable to God and why God didn't quite accept the other brother's offering. And so Genesis chapter four, verse two through seven is recorded here. Later, she, meaning Eve, gave birth to his brother, which is, which is Cain's brother, and his name was Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. It was a time for the harvest, And so Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best. This is the difference, guys. The best portions of the firstborn lambs. So the best and the first. Lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And so this made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. And so God comes in and he goes, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected or rejected? Well, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. If you've read this whole story in Genesis, you know what happens. Cain does not not control the sin around him and it takes over him and he kills his brother Abel over this offering. He's so jealous that God accepted it. And so he kills his brother because of it. So why was Cain's offering not accepted, but Abel's offering was? Well, we don't know exactly what Cain gave or any of that, but we do know what Abel gave. It says he gave the first and the best. So imagine Abel out in the field, looking at his sheep, looking at his flocks, and he's pointing out the, the lambs in his flock. That's like, that's a good one. I'm going to give that to God. That's, that's the best I'm going to give to God. This is the first I'm going to give that to God, so he sets it aside for the Lord. And then when he goes to offer it, it's accepted because he does it under, under joy. He does it with the right attitude and the right motives, and he does the first and the best. Do we give God the first and the best, or do we give God leftovers? Because I think that's what happened with Cain. Cain, we don't know this, but Cain was gathering up all of his harvest, and he's like, oh, "I got some of this left over, and it's kind of rotten," and It looks, there's some maggots in it, so I'm going to give it to God and I'm going to burn it. And God's like, no, I'm not going to accept that because it's not your first and best. You didn't put any thought behind it. You just gave me the leftovers. Your motives are wrong. Your heart was wrong, Cain. I want you to just honor me. That's all God's asking. Just honor me with what you have. And he wasn't honoring God, so God did not honor Cain. So what happened here? Abel predecided. He predecided what he could give, and he gave it cheerfully. He gave it, he gave it with great joy. And because when you take a moment and you predecide what you're going to give, it enables you to give with the heart, saying yes, engaged. I, I, gave, I get to give this because I'm, I've predecided what to give. And I sent a letter out to several of you, or an email out to you, those are the updates and online about today. And you know, I really encourage you to predecide what you're going to give today towards these three organizations. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to give towards three organizations. We're going to talk about two of them today. And the other one is Center of Hope. So we have Center of Hope, Grace House, and also Faith Hope Family. And every penny that comes in this week is going to those three organizations. Everything is going back to them. We're not keeping any of it. And so I want you to know that everything that comes in today is going to go back out. And and, and we want to do it joyfully because we've pre-decided ahead of time to do this. The elders and, and me sat down, we predecided, we looked at our finances, we said, "Hey, we can, t- we, can, we can take a week's worth of offerings and give it away because God's been so gracious to us and blessed us. And so we want to give that away, and we want to bless the community through that. we predecided, and so we can give it joyfully. and it doesn't matter what comes in today because we can give it away joyfully and not worry about it because we predecided. so I hope you predecide when you give that you may take time to really think about what you're giving and not just give it without thinking, like maybe Cain did. Because how you give matters more than what you give. You hear, the, you hear this thing that people say all the time when they, when they give a gift that's not really that great. <laughs> well, it's the thought that counts, you know. Well, it's not really the thought that counts, it's, it's, the, heart, it's the heart behind it, right? It, it, it's, it's not the thought that counts, but also it's the heart that matters. Are you, is your heart engaged? To give a good gift means your heart's engaged. And when you give a gift to the Lord, no matter if it's your time or your talent or your treasures, you're giving it out of this heart of joy, out of this heart to give a heart of the thanksgiving. It's the heart that matters. It's the heart that matters how we use our money as well, because money is a tool. You may not know this, but money is a tool. And it's something that God has given to us to use for his kingdom. Yes, we get to use it and take care of our family. But for us as believers, we know that everything that God gives us is a tool to, to, to move the kingdom forward. And so how do we use our money in a society? How, does, who, how do Americans use their money? Primarily these ways. Number one, it's for payments, right? You got to pay your bills. I have money. I'm going to pay. I exchange my money to pay this. And, and so I want to spiritualize this for a minute And talk about how our wrong motives can be when it comes to giving. So often I know I've been, I've been, even when I first was a believer, I was even guilty of this is trying to pay God off. Like, God, I messed up so bad this week. I'm going to give a lot in the offering this week. (laughs) It's like, God, just, just, just forgive me, Lord. And so we try to pay God off. We pay for our sins. You know, you pay penance for our sins. And and God doesn't work like that. You can't pay God off. God's got all the money he needs, right? The streets are laden with gold. What does he need from you? Why are you going to pay him off? Besides, Jesus paid it all for you anyway. If you're trying to pay off your sins, you might as well stop because Jesus paid it all. Just accept it. Accept that grace that Jesus has for you. And say, Jesus, I don't have to pay you back at all. And so when we give, it's not because we're trying to pay off something. It's a whole nother reason. And so, what else do we do with our money? Well, we bribe people. Bribes. It's like, hey, you know, if if you do this for me, then, you know, I'll do this for you. We're like this with God. I mean, come on, we are. We're like God. If if I win the lottery, I promise I'm going to tithe on that. I'm going to give you twenty percent. I'm gonna I'm gonna help the or you know I'm gonna help all the orphans in Africa, God. I'm gonna do all these things for you if you just give me the two billion dollar, you know lottery jackpot. And so we try to bribe God. We're like, God, if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. It's not how God works. That's not giving out of a generous heart. That's, that's giving to get, or that's getting, yeah. So you're like, God, you're praying that God would help you. So we even do this with our tithe. So, so, so many people, they'll tithe just so they can get back. They tithe 10% thinking, well, if I just tithe my 10%, then God's gonna give me all this stuff back. Wrong attitude you tithe and you give because you love God and you're giving back to him out of a heart of generosity and a heart of thankfulness. There's principles there in tithing. and I'm going to get into those things. And God does bless you when you tithe and God does bless you when you're generous, which we're going to talk about that. But that's not the, that's not the reason we give. That's not the reason we're generous. That's not being generous at all. That's just bribing God. And then there's tips, right? Now I looked this up on Snopes to make sure that this is right. And they said it was wrong, but I still like the story, so I'm going to use it. (laughs) So the story I heard was that the word tips came from an English bar, and they would put a, they put a jar up there, and it said T-I-P-S, you know, T-apostrophe-I, to ensure prompt service. And you would, you put the money ahead of time. And, And so that's, that's where they thought they got this word. Now they can't guarantee that's where they got that word, but I think it's a good, Idea of how we use our money for God. It's like, God, if, if, if you do a good job for me, God, I'm going I'm to tip you. God, if, if, you, if, you, if you make this happen for me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give this. I'm going to go to church this week. I'm going to give this week. I'm going to go to the neighbors. I'm going to talk to them about Jesus, right? It's like, God, if, if you do these things for me, then I'm going to tip you. And so often, you know, we can be like that. My pastor's message wasn't this good. I'm not giving him any money. I'm not giving this church any money. And so we can tip God, according to how well he served us that week. God help us if we do that. <laughs> we, we, we can't tip God. What's he need? All he wants is obedience. All he wants is your heart. And here's the best way we give and use our money. Gifts. Well, what's a gift? It's a conscious decision out of love for that person. That's what a gift is. It's a conscious decision out of love for that person. And, and when you give a gift, you don't expect anything back right? When you give to somebody, hopefully you don't expect to get something back. If not, then there's, there's a heart problem there. But when you give somebody a gift, it's because you love them and you want to express your love towards them. And so I know it's Christmas season and you, you have your list of people you're wanting to buy gifts for. And then guess what? Somebody out of that list comes by and gives you a gift. And what's the automatic response? Come on. I got to buy them something now. Oh, man, i got to buy this somebody a gift, and i got to buy this person a gift, and i got to repay them. That's, that's not what God wants. He wants us just to give and, and be generous and give out of a heart of love, expecting nothing in return. When you give a gift, you don't expect anything in return. You're giving it because you love. You're giving it because you want to show your love to them. So what's your motive when you give? Are you trying to pay off God? Are you trying to bribe God? Are you trying to tip God? Or are you giving a gift out of a heart of generosity? Are you giving people things out of a heart of generosity? Let's just get out of, let's just, not just talk about God here. Let's talk about how we treat each other. Do we treat each other this way? Or are you trying to get from somebody else instead of giving to somebody else? Jesus tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves. right? He says, he says to serve those who hate us meaning we don't expect anything in return. And, and when, you, when you give to somebody else, you don't expect anything in return because Christ has given you everything you need anyway. So why worry about it? That's our heart to give. That's a heart of generosity. See, we're talking about living a generous life, and a generous life is that in which all things are given freely or without expectation out of a heart of gratitude and love. So what's it mean to live a generous life? It's like, I get to give all this stuff. It's amazing. I get to give my time. I get to give my talent. I get to give the things that God has given to me. I get to serve in the nursery today. Praise God. Somebody's like, oh, no. It's like, I get to serve in pre-K today. I get to be on the worship team. I get to serve in the church. I get to go talk to my neighbor today about Jesus. I get to be in the community and love people. That's a generous heart. That's saying, I get to. And when you, when you say, I get to, that's generosity. When we say, I have to, that's not. So often we can come in and say, I, I have to do this. And the reason we say that is because we haven't had made that predecision. We haven't decided ahead of time to be that way. And so when you come to church, some of you, you know, that, that serve in here, we have a, a, a software called Planning Center, and you have to check yes or no if you're going to be here or not. And so for some of you, hopefully when you check yes, you're like, yeah, I get to serve this week. And I hope you're not like, man, nobody's showing up this week. I guess I'll do it, you know. Hopefully your heart's out of generosity because you love to give back. You love to serve. You love to use what God has given to you, no matter what it is. It's worship, guys. It's what it is. Everything about us is worship. Worship is giving. It's giving God the glory. It's giving God his due. It's giving God uh, everything that he is worth. We're giving back to God in our worship. It's giving. We're reflecting God when we give. We all know the scripture passage, right? God so loved the world in this way, He gave, right? God so loved the world that He gave. It's His heart to give, and His people should have a heart to give and a heart to be generous. Or we become a warehouse and not a distribution center. I pray that this church is always a distribution center. Like we're not just a people that sit in a building and collect people and collect money and collect you know whatever else, but that we're people of God that move out and pour out. I mean, our, our namesake, Waterhouse Church, a water tower pours out. It gives out, it pushes out. And I pray that we as a church would do that. With everything that we have, we distribute Distrib- distribute, that's the word, distribute everything that we have into the community to show people Jesus and the love of God and his power and his mercy and that the community has changed forever. We should all be dispensers of grace. I mean, maybe think of yourself as like a big water dispenser just walking around town. Here here you go. Here you go. Here's, I want to show you Jesus. I want to give something to you. I want to be generous with all that I have. We're all just dispensers of grace, We're simple containers that God uses to change the world. you be thinking, well, this container not that great. He can use anything. God can use anything. You just have to be willing. You just have to be willing to let him do that. So also, here's what happens when we give. Here's what happens when we live in a life of generosity. Two things, really. But the, the biggest thing is this, and we'll break this down in verse 8 here. And God will generously provide all that you need. So if you have a heart to be generous, God's going to give you what you need to be generous. This is what Paul's saying. Then you will have everything you need and then plenty left over. So you're sharing out of your overflow. All right? You're giving out of your overflow and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. What's he saying? He says, the more you're generous, the more God's going to enable you to be generous. The more you give, God's going to enable you to give more because he trusts you with it. Because you're being a good steward with the things that He's given to you, because you're, you're using the things for Him, and he's saying, "Thank you. Thank you. There's all kinds of passages about this about God saying, "You've been faithful with a little, and I'll be faithful with much." God will use you in big ways if you just use what little bit you have for him. He enables you to be more generous. He enables you to do even more than you might think, ask or imagine. And then here's another thing that happens. You will be enriched in every way, verse 11, so that you can always be generous. And when you take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. They will thank God. So two things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. This is the letter he's writing. And so church, when you give, things will happen, right? You're going to give and needs will be met, but also... They will joyfully express their thanks to God. So when you're meeting a need in the community, like these three organizations we're going to give to, they're going to give praise to God. A physical need is going to be met, but they're going to give God praise for what God has done through us. And as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them. And to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you in deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. So they're going to pray for you as well. Say, thank you for that church. Thank you for Waterhouse Church that blessed us. Because of that, we're able to do these things. Because because there's people that love you. They know there's people that love them in the community. And then he goes on to say, thank God for this gift. Too wonderful for words. See, you're meeting a physical need, yes. But more than that, you're shining a light on Jesus Christ himself. We, as a church, do not just want to meet a physical need. If you meet a physical need without meeting the spiritual need, you're leaving them in a worse position than they were when they started. And I'm all for outreach. I'm all for helping people. But if you just give them what they need for the moment and don't try to help them get better and don't try to help them find Jesus, you're leaving them in a worse position than they were before. And so that's why we're giving to these organizations because we know that they don't do that. They're showing them Jesus. And when you give out of a heart of generosity, not only is that need being met, but also they are meeting Jesus and coming to know him. I have a video from Grace House that kind of has this exact story. If You took this passage and put it in a person. That's it. Verse 11 here. Verse 11 through 15. This young lady, she goes to Grace House. She's needing something. She has a need that she needs to be met, a physical need. But then she finds something that she 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 didn't know she needed, but she found that too. And she's blessed. So you can go play that video from Grace House.
1: Facebook, because I really wanted to take some parenting classes, but my hospital offered them for an outrageous price, and I just I couldn't handle that. So, um... I just, I reached out on Facebook to Molly and she said that there were y'all were actually starting a um, preparing for baby class within the upcoming weeks. Grace House has helped me by giving me resources and classes and even some material items that have helped me and my son. I have made meaningful relationships at Grace House with both the staff, volunteers, and even some clients. Um, I met one of my best friends through my preparing for baby class and we're in contact every day. The class that impacted me the most at Grace House was a Bible study. It was actually my first Bible study ever. And through that, I found a church. Things are different for me and my family because of Grace House, because they helped me plug in with a church that was really accepting to me and my situation. It's very intimidating finding a church as a single mom, but because I had Sierra and she actually went and she sat with me my first time and she introduced me to a bunch of people and I have found a very good church home for me and my son. One thing I've learned from Grace House is learning how to apply God's word to my life and to my parenting and kind of leading by example so that way I can set the best example for my son. Thank you to everyone who donates and helps moms like me who may not be in the best situation, especially to the moms who don't have an outside support system. I know a lot of people, Grace House is their only support system, and it's a great one.
0: I love that. She came for just a class, but she met Jesus. That's amazing to me. Thank you. I'm so thankful for these organizations that do that. They're not just meeting a physical need, but they're helping people find Jesus. And so that is just amazing. We went to their gala and they showed this video. I'm like, guys, I got to have that video for the church because it's just beautiful. Because that's what, that's what it's about. It's about getting people the gospel and connecting them with believers. And so thank you for your giving. That's what that does. And you had a part in her story. You're like, well, how do I have a partner story? Well, if you give anything, you have a partner story because we give monthly to Grace House. And so we take a, we take a, a, a portion of money and give it to Grace House every month to help them support the ministry. So thank you for that. So when you give, you don't give to get, but when you give, you do receive something. What do you receive? You receive joy, right? You share in the joy of these people that are coming to Christ. You get thanksgiving. You give more thanks to God. It's like, God, I'm able to do this. Thank you, God, that you use me to do this. That's amazing. And you're more generous. You get to be more generous. God, it's like a muscle that you work. You know, it's, it's, you get to do this. You get to, it's amazing. And so you may be asking, well, okay, that's great. And, but what should I give? I mean, I don't know what I should give. Well, Paul addresses the church in second Corinthians eight. And so you go back a chapter. He talks about how we should give. So in verse 11, it's in there. We don't have it up there, but it says this. It's very important. Give in proportion to what you have. What's he say? How do you give? what do you give? Give in proportion to what you have. And so he says, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. So do you have time? Do you have talent? Do you have treasure? What do you have? Give it proportionately to what you have. Give it in proportion. And and give it according to what you have, not what you don't have. I think so many people were like, man, I don't have this. I don't have this. I don't have this. But what do you have? What do you have? Give it to God. Let him use it. And he goes, of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality right now. You have plenty and you can help those who are in need later. You'll, they will have plenty and can share with you. And when you need it and this way, things will be equal. As the scriptures say, those who gathered had a lot, uh, go, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. And those who gathered only had a little left had. A, yeah. Only a little had enough. So what's he saying there? He's saying, Look, give on what you have, not what you don't. He says, don't, don't, we're talking about wisdom here. When you give, don't give more than you have, right? He's like, don't, be wise when you're being generous. There's a fine line, guys, between faith and foolishness. We have to, we have to predecide ahead of time what we're going to give. Look, I'm a big hearted guy and I'll get in trouble, right? If I got something, somebody asked, I'll just give it away. But that gets me in trouble, You know, and so we have to be really wise about our heart and what we give. If we don't have it, then you can't give it. And so it's very important, guys, to to, to take care of your finances so that when it is time to give, you can give. It's the same thing with our time and our our abilities. We have to guard our time, we have to guard our abilities, we have to guard our hearts so that when something is God asks us to give something, we have it to give. We have to be wise with what we have. I love organizations like uh, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. We also did uh, Crown Financial. Um, There's lots of organizations out there to help you have a biblical foundation for your finances and to to use your finances God's way. And and, and a lot of these organizations kind of talk about percentage living. Well, what is percentage living? It's simply this. You give 10%, you save 10%, and you live off 80%. So you give 10%. Back to the Lord, you save 10%, and then you live 80%. If you're not a believer, then you save 10%. Hopefully you save 20% and you get and you live off 80%. We as believers give back because we know that God's given to us. And so this give, save, live idea really helps us to put things in motion and put things in operation and help us straighten things out. And so I would encourage you if you haven't had the opportunity to take a, a Financial Peace University or any of these other classes, to get enrolled in those things because they're very, very helpful, and they'll help you use your finances wisely. And so what is being unwise when we're generous? Because, you know, there's times I really want to help people, but I don't have it. But the heart of me wants to, like, do stupid stuff to get the money. You know, it's like I'm going to sell my car, even though I have to walk anywhere. Now, that's great. I mean, God may ask you to do that, and I'm not going to say God's never going to ask you to do that because he's asked people to give cars and houses away. But if you, if you don't pay your car payment or your mortgage and you give it away to somebody, that's not really being smart, okay? You have to be wise with your giving. Now there's times, and I can attest to this because I've made bad decisions because I'm a big hearted person, we'll give money away. I'm like, oh man, I got this bill due and this bill due, I shouldn't have gave that away. Then it's no longer joyful for me, right? Because I didn't have it to give. And so I didn't give, With joy, I didn't receive the joy back. And that giving, now I've got to, you know, rob Peter to pay Paul kind of thing. And so we have to be smart when we give. Don't give what you don't have. Give in proportion with what you do have. And you're probably like, man, this pastor just told me I don't have to give. And that's exactly what I told you. You don't have to do anything. You get to. You get to. And so that's awesome. But so often, like I said, we don't know, we don't think we have it. But the problem is we're looking at what we don't have instead of looking at what we do have. What do you have? What little bit do you have? Do you have a dollar? Do you have 50 cents? you got a penny? You know, what do you have? I mean, Jesus was in the temple and he praised the widow for giving her mite. Or here a little drop of coin in. That's all she had. And he noticed because her heart was engaged. When Mary dumped the oil on, when dumped the perfume on Jesus, he's like, she did a beautiful thing for me. And so it's the heart that matters. It's not the amount. It's the heart that matters when we give. And so we just have to give out of simple obedience, guys. That's all. It's like, God, what do you want me to give? How much of my time? How much of my talent? How much of my treasure do you want me to give back to you, Lord? He's going to ask for all of it. I mean, he is. But we have to give it out, okay? So simple obedience does this, at least the supernatural outcomes, when you just step out in faith and you're being obedient to what God wants, it's going to be supernatural. We do the natural. That's this part. That's praying for somebody. That's going next door, talking to somebody about Jesus. It's paying for somebody's bill, maybe at the, you know, God leading you in your heart to pay for somebody's coffee or pay for somebody's lunch or breakfast or to go pay for somebody's rent, even if you got that. If God's leading you to do that, we do the natural part, but God does the supernatural part. How, what's the supernatural? It's them... Learning about Jesus, it's them seeing Jesus in that exchange. That's the supernatural. We do the old, we do the natural. God does the supernatural. We see this in this story in Cana, John chapter 10, ver, John chapter two, verse one. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, and so Jesus' mother told him, "They have no more wine." And Jesus is like, well, that's, that's good. You're not supposed to drink anyway. I'm just like, no, I'm just kidding. No, he's like, hey, that's, he like, what's it to me? He's like, that's not my time. That's what he says. He goes, Dear woman, that's not my problem. Tell your mom that, right? See what happens. <laughs> and Jesus replied, My little, my time has not come. But his mother told the servants, Do whatever he tells you. I need to focus on that. Do whatever he tells you. When it comes to giving anything, do whatever he tells you. You know, just step out in obedience and see what God does. Man, there's times that I've given stuff and I'm like, wow, God, you're amazing what you did with that. Give what, do whatever he tells you to do. If he's telling you to go talk to your neighbor about Jesus, go talk to him about, go talk to them about Jesus. Let him do the miracle. All you got to do is the natural. And he does the supernatural. And so this is the natural that becomes the supernatural. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for the Jewish ceremonial washing. Basically, these are jars you'd wash your hands and feet in. And so each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And when the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. They're like, why am I taking water to this guy? And so the servants followed the instructions anyway. They didn't ask why. They did exactly as Jesus told them to do. And what happens here is amazing. And when the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, Not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over and a host. And he says, a host always serves the best wine first. Then when everyone has a lot to drink and is wasted, they bring out the really bad stuff. Then everyone has been a lot to drink. He he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. See, God works in this way. He does the nat- you do the natural, he does the supernatural. They had to naturally dip the water in and take it to the master ceremonies. Jesus did the supernatural. See, Mary came to the source of all things. Jesus is the source of all things. She knew that even though they're out of wine, that he could change the molecular structure of water into wine because Jesus created it all. He was there in the beginning. And so he, she knew the source. And so I ask you today, do you know the source? And if you know the source of all things, then you can do exactly what he tells you to do. Exactly what he tells you to do. And you may be saying, well, I don't know what he wants me to do today. Maybe it's give some money. Maybe it's serve somewhere. Maybe it's pick up an angel on an angel tree. I don't know what God's asking you to do today, but you do. Maybe he's just asking for a simple yes. You know, God does a lot with our yes. Because he asks us a simple question. And all we want to say is yes. And this next video we're going to show is from Faith Hope Family. We're going to close with it before we take our offering. They said yes to God, not knowing what it was going to do. And boy, did they say yes to God. And so you're going to watch your story. And then we're going to get ready for our miracle. I was offering. married. I was in the military. after that, we
2: baptized. Got so out, came back doing. home. Uh,
0: Big celebration there. And so I want to also say, before we watch that video, next Sunday we have more baptisms lined up, so make sure you're here for that, to to be excited about that. So here's this video from Faith Hope Family. You can go and watch that.
2: I was married. I was in the military, in the Marine Corps. Got out, came back home. Um, Was just uh, living our life for each other. Wasn't so concerned about what God had planned for us. We were just just doing our own thing, living for self pretty much. Um, finally did get back in church. We had two children, Quade and Quincy. Um, they were getting older. We decided that, uh, you know, we were both raised in church. We needed to have our kids in church. So we started going to church, uh, wasn't long. We got plugged in, was working with the youth. We just sat down and talked one night and says, said, you know, there's something more we're supposed to be doing. I said, I don't feel like this is it. So we went and talked to our pastor and uh, he said the first thing to do is, is surrender. I'm like, what am I surrendering to? And uh, he said, you don't know. You're just following God's will. He's called you to do something. You surrender to whatever that is. Okay. So we went down front, made it public, uh, surrendered to whatever he had in store for us. Three short weeks later, we get a phone call. Um, a lady, a friend of ours had a friend that was pregnant. She was going to have a child. Um, wanted to know if we would be willing to take that baby. And I was like, no, no, I'm done with kids. We've got our two. We've got our perfect little four person family, or boy, a girl. A Couple of weeks went by. I was just sick. I couldn't sleep. I was miserable. Nothing was going right. And that was just God eating on me, telling me, you know, you're supposed to take this child.
3: I didn't realize he was praying as hard as he was and I didn't know God was working on him, but I knew that I wanted to take that baby, but I wanted it to be a mutual thing. And you know, it had to be a God thing without a doubt.
2: Came home from work one day, my wife down and said, hey, uh, do you have contacts to get a hold of this girl? We need to we're supposed to take this baby. She wanted to the whole time, so she was all giddy about it. Got a hold of her and uh, a few short months later she was giving birth. We showed up there was in the delivery room. Came home with a a new pretty little girl.
3: That was an experience. Of course, delivering both of mine was amazing but when you see that baby and know that that baby's born addicted to drugs. You hold that baby, just so helpless. And to realize that, God, you've taken this baby and you've pulled that baby out of that situation and you've trusted me, me, even crazy little me, you've trusted me with this baby.
2: So still not knowing this is what God had called us to do was to take in children. Uh, We went forward with the adoption process. That went on for about a year. Uh, we were finally uh, granted the adoption. Life was still good. We were still just clicking right along. Sitting here one day at the house, got a phone call from Holly's mom. Said, uh, hey, there's this lady that I know whose granddaughter had a baby, left it in the hospital. Said, the state's gonna take it if we can't find somewhere for it to go. So Holly told me this when she got off the phone. I told her, put your shoes on, let's go. So. Probably a three-hour period from the phone call, we're walking out of the hospital out of JPS with a, uh, another newborn baby girl. A few short months went by after that. Um, we get a call from Nevaeh's mother that uh, had told us she knew she was going to prison and she was pregnant again. And she's like, uh, I've got nowhere else for this baby to go. Would y'all be willing to come pick him up? Like, yeah so a few short months after that we uh, get the phone call from the prison down in galveston that she's giving birth so we made the trip down there next day we're leaving the hospital with him um, she had still stated that uh, on this one that when she got out she wanted to come back and get him it was like that'd be great you get your life on track um we can make that work she gets out gets out of prison he's probably four or five months old at the time when she gets out he calls us up and says uh Hey, I'm I'm out. Bring me my baby. I'm like, well, no, it don't work that way. You're gonna have to uh, gonna have to prove you got a, a safe place for him. You're a fit parent. You can take care of him. Of course, that didn't ever work out. She called us a few short days after that and was like, Hey, uh, you, know, you know, I, this just ain't gonna work out. I can't do it. So in the meantime, before that, it wasn't two weeks after we had went to Galveston to pick up Isaiah we get another letter from another inmate in the Galveston prison that said uh, Noel had talked to her and said that we, will, we would house your child for you while they're still in prison because she had nowhere for her, her baby to go. So it was six weeks after we got Isaiah, we drove back down to Galveston and picked up Chloe. And uh, another month down the road, after we picked up Chloe, my wife gets a text from Lily's mother, which is the second child we took, and said, "I pregnant. I scared." So, Holly told her, "Just let us know. Let us know when, when, and where we'll be there." So, it was probably four months after we picked up Chloe that we get a call. She went into labor. So we go to the hospital and came home with with Haley, which is where we're at now. So uh, now we know this is what God has for us. Of course, uh, taking in these babies who otherwise wouldn't have a chance, wouldn't have a wouldn't have a decent life. Uh, Wouldn't be raised in a godly home. Um, Be jumping from house to house. No telling where they'd be. When we uh, received each of our children that we have now, um, each one of them was born addicted to a drug in one form or fashion. Whether it be prescription drugs, whether it was street drugs, methamphetamines, uh, opium, uh, heroin. Just, just to see, just to witness what they go through. The withdrawals that go through, the, the pain, the crying, the, the, the helpless feeling you have when there's nothing you can do but just sit there and hold them and you know, watch them go through this. It, uh, it just breaks your heart. You can't see how a mother could could put a child through this.
3: I know personally, I do not ever want to be our home to be labeled as a children's home or an orphanage. That's not what we are by far. This is a home and it's a family and I want these kids to know they were raised in a home and this is their home. It wasn't a children's home that they had no choice in. We take them in, we love them, we raise them to whatever God calls us to have many. And if we get a call today, of course we would, you know, but we want that to be God's call, not our call. And everything that we do is through private donations, through our local churches, through individuals in the community, do through businesses. We do not receive any funding from the government, from the state funding. We are nothing special. We're just a regular family that has been called to the ministry and we were willing and surrendered and allow God to make the way and we just try to follow.
2: A few weeks ago a pastor brought a sermon that was the topic on repurposing. Taking something old, something that's lost its value, something that's no longer useful for what it was made for and repurposing that, making it making it something totally new. I know for a fact that's what God has done with me, with my family. God can take you and He can remold you, remake you into something physical. He can repurpose you to do what you were meant to do here on this earth, and I know that's what God has done with us. But yeah, God has taken these children from something that was broken and has definitely turned their life around in life. Putting them with us, giving them to us, trusting them with us.
0: Like I said, you never know what a simple yes will say, will do. Actually, that's an older video. They have two more that they're taking care of as well. So they have seven total kids in their house that they've taken from all drug, you know, from, from drug babies, basically. And they love them. I think it's a beautiful picture of what Christ does for us. He takes us as unwanted and unnecessary, and he adopts us in. He brings us in, and he accepts us as family. That's amazing. That's amazing. Jesus chooses us. It's a miracle. And so as you get ready for your offering today, I pray that you would ask the Lord today, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to give? And that you do what he tells you. Like I said, I sent these letters out to prepare you ahead of time and, and to know that these three organizations that we're supporting, they're good organizations. They're, they're, they're making a difference in our community, and we want to make a difference in our community. If people don't realize that we're here in this community, then we're not doing our job as a church. And so we want to do this to make a difference in the community. And so I'm going to pray over this offering as you get it ready. There's some envelopes next to you. And hopefully you've grabbed one. Um, You can write a check or put money in there or whatever. And then we're going to have a moment where you come forward and bring your offering and put it in this bucket. And me and my wife just want to say thank you for that. Now, a lot of you give online. Not a lot of people carry money or, you know, kids these days, what's cash, right? And, or check, but you can give online in front of you. in one of the chairs, there should be one of these little uh, QR codes. that says, give online here. If there's not one, You can text 817-803-3131. You text that number and then just write the word GIVE, G-I-V-E. And that'll allow you to give money. Like I said, everything that comes in from today to Saturday is going to go. So from today till next Saturday, it's going to go back in there. So um, you have all week to give. If you didn't come prepared, that's fine. Because like I said, I want you to be wise. And so here's what me and my wife do when, when we're given the opportunity to give or to be generous we pray together, we sit down and we, we pray and we ask each other, well, how much, what's God saying to you? And I'm like, well, what's God saying to you, you know? And, and so you'll be amazed at how many times we have the same number. Cause what we'll pray and, and I'm like, I don't want to say that number. She'll say I was like, okay, that's what I was thinking. So that's good. So whatever, whatever God lays in your heart to give today, just give it and give it cheerfully today. If you can't give today, that's perfectly fine. Don't give out of compulsion. Don't give because you feel like you have to. Give because you want to. So what's God telling you today? So let's pray. And then we get ready to take our offering up. Father God, I pray, I thank you, Lord, for these offerings that are going to be brought to you. God, I pray that it would meet the needs of these these amazing organizations. God, we're not a big church. We can't give millions. But God, what you give us, we want to give gratefully. God, because we want to make a difference. And Lord, I thank you for the opportunity. God, we love you. Lord, I pray that these that this offering would be a miracle. Not the amount, but what happens through it. God, that when it goes into these organizations that more people find Jesus, more people find hope, more people can hear about you, and that more people are transformed and their lives are changed through your name. God, I pray that you bless this offering now in your mighty name. I pray that you bless the giver as well as that, those that, that, that get from it. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We love you for that. What an honor to give. Thank you, Jesus.